Hey everyone, Mike here with the Sysadmin School. Security is responsibility of all employees, and in this episode I'm going to go over social engineering and what you need to know. As I've talked about many times before, as sysadmins, we sometimes have to wear many different hats, especially if you work in a small company. You may be the person who is not only the sysadmin, but the security admin, the help desk uh, technician. You may even be a network admin, depending on the size of your company. So it's important for all of us to know and understand security. We have to be able to teach our users how to keep themselves secure and to keep the company secure when it comes to different types of info security or infosec. So what I want to talk about today is social engineering and it's something that we really need to understand because we have to again teach our employees about it. So the definition of social engineering is the use of deception to manipulate individuals into divulging confidential or personal information that may be used for fraudulent purposes. So that's a pretty good definition. Um, basically, we're going to use it to obtain information which may not even be confidential information. It could just be information we may use later on. There was a really great um, Jimmy Kimmel segment where he went out and asked people how they generated their password. Didn't ask them what their password was, but he just asked them how they came up with it. And then through just regular talking with the person, he eventually got to asking them questions that related to how they came up with their password. One example was a girl who said that she used the street she grew up on and her cat's name. And through just some normal conversation, he was able to actually get that type of information out of her, which normally you are not going to think of that as confidential information, but knowing that she used that to generate her password, now he has a pretty good idea of what her password could be. Now, it really can be more than that definition. And it's also just understanding how people behave and then exploiting that. So, um, one other story that I love to tell people is about a pen tester, and I really wish I could remember the guy's name, but I can't. It was a course or it was a seminar um, that I went to years ago in Vegas. Uh, it was probably about 10 years or more ago now. But basically, this guy was a pen tester, and he was hired for this company. And he went and purchased, and they were a, a retail store. So he went and actually purchased a cash drawer. So about 25 bucks for a cash drawer. He then took out $200 and of different bills and put that into the cash drawer. He prints up a badge, so, you know, five bucks to print up a little badge that just said auditor. Walks into a retail store, walks up to a cashier, shows them this badge and says, we have had some discrepancies with your drawer. I'm an auditor here and I'm going to take your drawer here. Take this drawer, which has $200 so you can continue to work your till while I audit this drawer. And the guy basically walked out with 
probably two to three thousand dollars, which was in that drawer. Now, obviously, he was a hired pen tester, so he walked back in, and then he had a nice teaching moment with the person. But he used a couple of techniques that are very common when you're dealing with someone who is good at social engineering. Um, one of the techniques is acting as if he has authority. You know, he printed up a badge that said auditor, and he acted as though he had the authority to audit this person's drawer and take the cash drawer out of their till. Another technique he used was fear. And when we're fearful, there's a lot of things that we don't really think about. We don't think straight when we have fear or we're scared. So, you know, someone comes up who seems like a person of authority and tells us, hey, I'm going to audit your drawer because we've had some discrepancies. You're now at this point scared that you've had issues or there's been problems with your drawer. So you're not going to think straight and you're going to want to do whatever you can to clear your name, which means I'm going to give you my cash drawer so you can prove that it, I'm good. I'm not stealing from the company. And the last one he used was urgency. So again, when you kind of mix fear and urgency together, it's a bad combination for the victim because not only are they scared, but now they've got to make a split decision. Is this legit what's happening here? And most of the time, we're not even thinking of that. We're not even considering that this could be an illegitimate person coming in trying to just take our money. So this is a really good example of showing how a person does just some in-person social engineering to really trick somebody into giving up about two to three thousand dollars and really he was trading you know maybe 250 if that for the cost of the cash or plus the 200 dollars he put in there he was trading about 250 dollars for about three grand i would make that trade all day long without even thinking about it so, and I like bringing up these stories because they show good examples. Another quick story, um, and this isn't a really huge social engineering story, but it's a very, very good description of how you can expand on that and really understanding and using people's kindness essentially against them. Um, this guy, he does a lot of talks at DEF CON and some other security conferences, and it's Jason Street. Many of you may have even heard of him. Um, if you haven't, check out his talks on YouTube. They're amazing. <laughs> but he really goes above and beyond to gain access to a building. He will tell you he's not a techie. He's not a hacker. He is just a person who can gain access to pretty much any building he wants or any room he wants. And he does this by exploiting a lot of people's kindness and wanting to help. One of the things he says he does is he is not above you know, renting a wheelchair, putting boxes in his lap, and seeing if he can get someone to hold a door open for him. He has no access to that building, he doesn't have a key card or a badge to get in, but because he looks like he needs help, someone comes out and typically will help him. So it's another good one of not only using people to get information, but exploiting people's feelings and kindness to ultimately get the results that you want, which is access, in that case, to a building. So again, if you haven't looked it up, look up Jason Street. He's great at the social engineering aspect and has some really good information um, regarding security and social engineering.
it, so social engineering can come in many different types. Now, typically, we see them in the form of a phone call, an email, huge one as is emails, and even some in person. Now, with phone calls, we don't we don't see those all that often anymore. Um, I don't know of too many people, including myself or even my employees, that get phone calls uh, with social engineering tricks. They do still happen, but they don't happen nearly as often. Um, and most of the time when they come in, they come in as someone who is calling an employee pretending to be IT, and they're asking for your password. They're saying, hey, yeah, we need to do some reconfiguration of the matrix and fix all the cookies that have fallen on the floor. <laughs> and then they say, in order to do this, we need your password. If you can give me your password, I can take care. I can pick all these cookies up and we'll reset the matrix and you'll be good to go. And I'm kind of being <laughs> facetious here and just kind of funny, but that's basically the type of call that they'll get is they'll get a phone call, someone claiming to be IT, asking for their password. And this is really the big one that happens is that's what they call. They call and ask for the password. One thing to always remember is never give your password to someone over the phone. Even if it really does sound like someone from IT, push back. Don't give them your password over the phone. Don't give them your password at all. One thing that people need to understand about IT is that your IT department really can just go and reset your password. So if I, being an IT, need access to your account, I'm going to go in and reset your password to something I know, do what I need to do on your account, then I'm going to set that password again and set it to expire and give you the new password so you can log in and change it to whatever you want. That is the proper way IT should be accessing your account if they need to. IT should never be asking for your password or any other confidential type information. The huge one we see here with regards to social engineering is emails. Is We all get these emails asking us to click here or send us information here or something's been compromised and we need to send in our bank account numbers and PIN numbers and all this stuff so they can fix it. So our Wells Fargo bank account is fixed when we don't even have a Wells Fargo bank account. <laughs> we're all very familiar with these. And most of the time what we're familiar with is the fact that they're actually called phishing. They're called phishing emails or phishing schemes because people are actually... They're fishing. They're literally doing a shotgun approach, and they're throwing out thousands of emails, hoping one of them will stick or one person will bite the hook and give them the information that they need. Hence why it's called phishing. Now, there is a different type of attack that's very similar, and it's called spear phishing. If you're not familiar with spear phishing, spear phishing is when the social engineering email is incredibly targeted. So it may even include maybe your CIO's name, your CIO's email address. It may include very specific information about the company that just adds to the credibility of the email itself. And these types of emails only happen when someone is directly targeting the company. So if you get something that looks a little fishy, but it looks like it's coming from your CIO or your CEO or your owner... Again, push back, question it, confirm that that email is is intended for you and is actually coming from your CIO or your CEO or whoever it looks like it's coming from. If it's not, then this could be a spear phishing attempt 
to gather information from you. So what do we do when we see these types of spear phishing or phishing emails? Well, the first and easiest thing is just delete emails. Just delete the emails you weren't expecting and that are asking you to click a link or download a file. Pretty much, that's just a, a no-brainer and pretty simple thing to do. You see an email come from somebody that you don't know, just delete it. You don't even need to spend your time worrying about whether it's legit or not. Just delete it. And if you have the mechanisms in place, report it to your security, your IT security team, if, again, those mechanisms are in place. Now, again, email compromise is pretty rampant. So it's not uncommon for someone's email to be compromised and you to actually get a phishing email from somebody you know. So what you want to do is, if that happens, confirm the email that you get from the person. So if you got an email from Bob in HR, call Bob. Talk to Bob. Find Bob. Ask him, hey, did you actually send me this email? It looks a little fishy and I don't want to click anything or download any files that may not have actually been from you. So confirm. Say, yes, oh yeah, sorry, those are the new regulations that you need to download and read. Perfect. I'll go do that. So confirm emails are from the people you know, especially if they contain links or other files that you need to download or look at. And especially if you end up getting to a link that asks you for a username or a password. Those are definitely ones that you want to confirm before you attempt to put in that information. And remember, never send confidential information over email, especially stuff like your social security number, your credit card number, or your password. Any of that stuff should never go across email. Email inherently is not encrypted and is not by any means a secure means of sending data to people. It's a great way of communicating back and forth, but when you're actually talking about confidential data, you need to use some other mechanism to send that information, not across email or your standard email. Now, again, another um, type of social engineering that we don't see all that often is the in-person type. And this is pretty much what I spoke about with, you know, Jason Street and some of the other pen testers out there. And it's a, it's typically done by pen testers is when you'll see it, but there's no reason that a person couldn't try social engineering in person. I have found that places that this works the best is in different places of hospitality. So your resorts, your hotels, your restaurants, any place where the customer is king is where these types of social engineering are, you know, pretty successful. They don't need any elaborate, really, thing to to work. They just, you show up in person, you act like you're supposed to be there, and no one's going to question you. Typically, no one will question you being there. So another quick story by Jason Street was um, just some different places. He has the a uh, little rubber ducky, if you're not familiar with that. That's one of the ways he confirms that he has um, compromised a computer. So basically, he will just walk behind, you know, take a hotel, for example. Most hotels, you can walk behind the front desk, and if you act like you're supposed to be there, you may not be questioned about what you're doing. And that's what he'll do, is he'll walk in somewhere, he'll go in, he'll plug his little USB into a computer, screen will pop up, he'll take a picture, and that's how he confirms that he's compromised that computer. And 
you know, he'll just walk into places and just plug this USB drive in and never get questioned. He even one time walked in in one of his stories um, and had a badge that said, your IT guy on it, and actually got somebody to escort him around to every computer in the office so he could plug this USB drive into it. Absolutely hilarious. They're, the people in that office were just so willing to help him that really it made his job super simple. But at the same time, they didn't question him. They didn't question whether he was truly supposed to be there or not. So what do we do about these types of situations? And one of the keys is you need to not hesitate to question people who you don't think should be there. So you work at the front desk of a hotel, for example. You know your employees. You know people who you work with day in and day out. If you see someone behind that desk that doesn't look like they belong there or you have never seen there before, ask them. Ask them and see if their story checks out. If their story sounds legit, call your manager. Call a supervisor. Call somebody who may know more and confirm their story. Don't start letting someone who says, oh yeah, I'm with your IT department, just walk behind the front desk and start doing stuff on your computers. Same thing in restaurants, same thing, and really the same thing in any company. Another good one is make sure your company institutes some sort of badge type of requirement. Again, hotels, restaurants is typically pretty simple because most people wear some form of a name badge. And if they're not wearing a name badge, question them. If you work in an office building, try to implement an ID system where every employee has an ID that they have to wear while they're on premises. And make sure employees check. Make sure if an employee sees somebody that doesn't have an ID, they question, they ask, they say, hey, where's your ID? And make sure they do not open doors for people who don't have IDs, who shouldn't be in that area. These are just some of the little things that really help with these social engineering attacks, whether they're in person, on the phone, or through email, the employee is really the person who is the first line of defense for these types of attacks. So we need to make sure we train our employees. And I like to use I like to use the word empower because really what we need to not do is the typical PowerPoint train our users. This is how you need to behave at work. This is how you need to secure our data at work we need to teach better security practices overall to our employees we need to empower our employees not only to secure the data at work but to secure the data at home secure their home we need to teach them to be safe in their own life their own digital life at home and when we can do that successfully and let them think about it and understand it that is going to transition over into the workplace. Now, some other podcasts I've I've mentioned this before and I think it really <clears throat> I think it's really a great way to look at teaching security to our employees because again, our employees are the first line of defense for a lot of our physical and social engineering type security attacks. So, we need to teach them how to be secure, not just on the job. Do you really think an employee who you know, uses the same password for every account they have at home, has an open Wi-Fi, and doesn't really give any consideration to security in their home network, do you really think that now 
when they come into the office, they're going to be completely security-minded and protect your company's data? I don't think so. It's, it's a mind shift that we have to get into our employees. And again, empower. I like that word. Empower those employees to protect themselves at home. Know what to look out for at home. And that will in turn teach them and help them to protect the data at work. So that's my spiel on social engineering. I went over that pretty quickly. I guess we're kind of, you know, 20, a little over 20 minutes into this uh, podcast now. But I think that was a good overview of social engineering. So I'd love to hear what you think. Um, Feel free, if you're looking at this on my website, to put any comments or anything you have in the comments down below. I'll try to answer them as quickly and as efficiently as I can. If you're listening to this on you know, Spotify or Anchor, I'd love for you to check out my site, thesysadminschool.com. Great place for you to really find information about being a sysadmin. That's really my goal for you is to teach you to become a systems administrator and to help further your systems administrator career. So if you have any questions, check out my site. Feel free to contact me. All of my contact information should be on the site. You can always find me on Twitter and on LinkedIn. And one other thing that I do is I created an ebook called The $400 Lab or $400lab.com. From there, you can get download my ebook and get your own lab set up in your home for you to do sysadmin stuff, the kind of stuff that I do, exchange labs, you know, learning Active Directory, learning Linux, learning Windows, all that kind of stuff for less than $400. I walk you through the entire thing. Everything you need, you can get for under 400 bucks. So with that, guys, I hope you enjoy this podcast, and I will talk to you again very soon.